Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Speaking of speaking, which we were last week, what do you know about the self-eating watermelon? The reason I ask is that I recently did a speech about the self-eating watermelon for the Austin chapter of the National Speakers Association. They had a very cool project called Elevate, E-L-E-V, the number eight, and it was eight speakers, each speaking for eight minutes on the 8th of September about uh, important topics, and my given topic was the self-eating watermelon. I ended my eight minutes with a very quick magic trick, but the self-eating watermelon is a concept that I've used throughout my career. It's something we actually started when I was in college at LSU, 1961 through 1965. My friends and I would talk about projects that had the seeds of their success within the project itself. He called that, for some reason that none of us can remember, the self-eating watermelon. It's a concept that I talk about, write about, and actually use to help prospective clients get the money that they need in order to pay my fees, which may sound a little strange, but the simple fact is when somebody calls and wants to hire me to do something, and if it's something that I want to do, but they don't have the budget to pay me a reasonable amount in order to do it, I can sometimes help them find that money. And the three techniques that I use the most often are barter, sponsorship, and fundraising. So let's go ahead and talk about a few of these for a little bit. Barter is obviously when you trade something to somebody for something else. And over the years, I've been able to trade various services for all kinds of things that I wanted. The beautiful wooden bookcases with glass doors that are here at the Fantastic Magic Center in my research library, I didn't pay a penny for. I did work for. And they are absolutely beautiful custom-made bookcases. My magic studio when we lived in South Austin, a 500-square-foot studio, had beautiful teak flooring. And again, those were provided through barter. We were trading things. Margot and I also had a hot tub and a nice deck outside the bedroom door. And those were a very interesting barter. You see, there was a new business called Aqua Magic Spas. And so they had my business, Magic Hotline, help them promote their grand opening. We gave away lots of fortune-telling fish, which if you haven't heard about, go back a few episodes because I was talking quite a bit about them. We had my good friend Peter the Adequate, who I've talked about before, do his underwater straitjacket escape, but instead of a swimming pool or a dunk tank, we had him do it in a hot tub. The fact that they were aqua magic spas made it a very nice way of using magic to promote their business and they didn't really have the budget to pay what it would cost for Peter and I to do these things, but they had hot tubs, and so we did a complete trade-out. Now, I did wind up having to pay Peter because he didn't get to use the hot tub that often. But this is barter. 
trading services. I remember one time when uh, Dell Computers called me and wanted me to do some work. And uh, I had done work for Dell Computer before. I had actually done a magic camp for grown-ups for their service marketing team, for example. What they wanted me to do was something I wanted to do, but they just did not have the budget for it at all. And so one of the possibilities would be, well, I could use a brand new Dell computer, especially one of these great, I mean, it had a full gigabyte of storage. Okay, you can tell this was a very long time ago, because back then I thought I would never need a computer with more storage than one gigabyte. I've done some magic in various restaurants, and frequently the restaurant won't feel like they have enough money to pay my full fee, but they will give me gift cards, which I can use for free meals for myself, my friends, and my other colleagues. So there are lots of ways to use barter to make your business work better. And I know there are plenty of muggles listening to this podcast. You're not a magician, but surely you can see how you might be able to trade something you do in your business for something that someone else would do in their business. I think of a time when I was asked to be a keynote speaker for a printing organization. Well, I really wanted that job. See, I took printing in industrial arts in uh, like the 7th or 8th grade at Baton Rouge Junior High School. My first summer job, I was 14 years old. I was working for the Fun and Magic Shop in San Antonio, Texas, and Louis Berkey the proprietor taught me how to print souvenir wooden nickels and how to make rubber stamps and how to use the printing press. In fact, my first magic convention, I was allowed to work the headline newspaper press, which was a fake newspaper, a souvenir newspaper with a blank headline, and we would print whatever headline someone wanted on that newspaper, such as Misto, great hit at Magic Convention, which is one that Berkey did for me. But I spent quite a bit of my time setting the type, printing those headline newspapers for people. My point is, throughout my life, I have used printing. I would be a very, very good keynote speaker for this organization, but they did not have the money. But they had printing. And as a matter of fact, if they give me $1,000 worth of printing, it probably only costs them close to $500, depending on what their cost of goods sold is. And so we worked a deal, and uh, my next magic book was able to get printed free. Well, not free. It was barter. And what about sponsorship? Well, when I became a full-time professional magician in 1986, one of my first jobs was teaching kids about their eyes. I was one of three characters called Mr. Seat, the magician with the vision. And I have an entire podcast episode about Mr. Seat, which you can go back and listen to if you like. It was a wonderful program, but it was sponsored by TSO, Texas State Optical. So the schools and other organizations that got this educational program didn't have to pay anything. And yet, all of my expenses were covered, and I got a nice fee for every presentation that I made as Mr. Seat. Why? Because I had a sponsor. And my friend Peter the Adequate and I, I mention Peter frequently because we've done so many projects together, Peter and I wanted to do a program for schools called The Magic of Learning. We wanted to help elementary school children understand the importance of classes that they may not 
particularly enjoy, and yet we're going to be a big help to them later on in life. And we needed advertising materials, posters for the schools, teachers' guides, handouts for the students, and we were able to get Kinko's to sponsor all of that printing so that none of it cost us anything. But what about our professional fee? Well, Westgate Mall, a small neighborhood shopping mall, wanted people to be more aware of their commitment to families and children, and so they would sponsor these shows in area schools. Heck, when I was a teenage magician, I was able to talk Pepsi-Cola into sponsoring my magic shows. That allowed us to do Saturday morning kitty shows at the Gordon Movie Theater and shows in shopping centers and shows in grocery stores, and I got paid by Pepsi. What I traded was entertainment that also helped consumers know more about Pepsi-Cola by using what I call magic with a message. Yes, there were lots of magic tricks I could do with delicious Pepsi-Cola sold here today. Now, I know a lot of people who have tried to get sponsors and not had a lot of luck with it. So let me tell you the secret to getting sponsorship. Find out what the sponsor wants and needs. Don't spend your time saying what a good magic show you're doing or how wonderful your kid's soccer team is or whatever it is you're trying to get sponsored. Find out what the potential sponsor wants and needs and figure out ways to get it for them. Many times it's visibility. They want to be better seen and understood by your audience, and your audience might be a kid's softball team. So we've talked about barter and sponsorship. The third technique that I have frequently used is fundraising. Put the fun in fundraising. And there's so many possibilities. It depends on what you're doing and what you're trying to sell. For example, think of car washes, think of bake sales, think of Girl Scout cookies. I mean, there's so many different ways to do fundraising. When I was at Baton Rouge High School, I was recommended for the key club by my teachers every year, but somebody didn't like the fact that I was a magician or that I wore a bulldog mask to uh, football games. And so I always had somebody vote against me and I was never able to join the key club. But I started a high Y club because I was working with the YMCA for their summer camps and other things. The high Y club needed to put some money in the treasury. And so we got boxes of Thin Mints and we went out and sold them. Well, I had hoped I could sell more than I did. So I had quite a few boxes left over when the campaign was over. So I gave a box of Thin Mints to everybody in my family, everybody on my Christmas list. And that's turned into a tradition. I mean, I graduated from high school in 1961, and I'm making this podcast in 2023. And yet, I'm about to go buy a whole bunch of boxes of Thin Mints for everybody on my Christmas list, because that's the legend of the Christmas Thin Mints. And it all came about because of fundraising. And you don't have to be a magician to put together a magic show fundraiser or it could be music instead of magic, or it could be a comedy open mic night. There's so many things you can do to help create funds. But I want to tell you about a specific, perfect example of the self-eating watermelon. And that's when I got a call from the Hamlin High School Marching Green saying that they wanted to use magic for their marching band competition. 
You may be aware that high school bands, marching band competition, are very competitive, a very big deal. We had had some success doing a similar program for the Westlake High School Marching Band in Austin, Texas, where we used the Phantom of the Opera theme and quite a bit of magic to give them a successful competition. And Hamlin would have been great, but it was a three or four hour drive away, which means we would spend the entire day driving there and driving back or having to spend the night with hotels and meals. There was just no effective way to do it. They didn't have the money. And so we suggested fundraising. Let's put on a big magic show. Now, they're a high school. They have a wonderful auditorium, and they have cheerleaders that can be part of the show, making the show bigger. They have a band parents group that can really go out and sell program ads and sell tickets to the show. So they had everything they needed except the magic show. Well, Peter and I mostly did magic shows individually and independently, but sometimes we would get together, not really like Siegfried and Roy or Penn and Teller, Still, we could put our acts together and create a much bigger show, and that's what we did for the Hamlin High School Marching Green. The band parents sold lots of tickets and lots of program ads. The show was a big success. It made a lot of money. We split the profits with the high school, with the band, and so we got paid very nicely for putting this whole big show together. But what did the band use their half of the profits with, for, they used them to pay us to consult with them, and we had a very successful, magical-themed marching band competition for the Hamlin High School Marching Green. For me, this is the self-eating watermelon at its finest. Now, my daughter Carolyn was there because she's on the board of NSA Austin. When I asked her for feedback, she said, well, I wish you had talked more about how to make an event bigger so that there's more to it, so that more people are involved and more people benefit, because I think that's part of the self-eating watermelon as well. And I can just hear my wife Margot saying, Kent, she called saying she wanted a birthday party for her six-year-old kid, not a three-ring circus. But Margot, they pay more for a three-ring circus, and they have more fun, and it's a better event. And as a matter of fact, throughout my career as a magician, that has been one of the things I've tried to do, is to take the basics of the event and then see how can we get more people involved, make it successful for more people. Because everybody has to enjoy it, have fun. It has to be profitable in so many different ways. Otherwise, I would not call it the self-eating watermelon. If you personally would like to learn more about the details of the self-eating watermelon, I wrote about it in three different columns for the Linking Ring magazine. So that's uh, 2,000 words per column, 6,000 words total. Those columns are included along with many others in my book, Marketing Magic, which is available from Magic Words Press, and you can find it, and I've even got a special sale on it. Find it at magicwordspress.com. You'll learn lots more about the self-eating watermelon and lots of other marketing tips as well. And although it was written specifically for magicians and for other entrepreneurial entertainers, the marketing principles are the same no matter what you're doing. You can be a CPA and still use marketing magic. 
I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button.